Yo, what up, what up? From Hypebeast Radio, I'm Manny, and this is Mike Line, a show that looks to discover the origin story of your favorite artist or major player in the music industry. We ask the questions that you have always wanted to get answered, and you never know who may pop by. Don't forget, we migrated into separate shows on Hypebeast Radio, so you have to individually subscribe to the shows you want to listen to. Search and subscribe to HBR Show, Business of Hype, and Mike Line, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Do it now so you don't miss any episodes. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. For this episode of Mike Line, we talked to Dawn about her creative process, New Orleans, being a black woman in the music industry, and a ton more. Welcome to Mike Line. So this is the Mike Line podcast, a new name. Hope you love it. And we have one of my Easily one of the more creative, one of the most um, innovative artists, I think, in music right now. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? My name is Dawn, and that is an incredible introduction. Thank you. That's big words. Appreciate it. And I wholeheartedly mean that just because uh, as someone who's grown up watching your your path into who you are now and just seeing things as a fan and just how you continually evolve and push. And I'm very big on just sounding as an artist. Like I think that's the people who be here long and who will be remembered. And you wholeheartedly sound like no one else. You sound like Dawn. So when I hear your music, it's like I'm listening to Dawn, not another version, something else. Yeah, man, that's what I strive for is to be my best self. So thank you. Nice. So I guess tell me just about like, I don't know how to start this off. I got a bunch of questions in my head. So go I guess, off. Just go off and throw them at me. Tell me about just like your creative because I think over the last what, couple, I would say five, you just continually pushed the envelope on what, I guess, what, R&B sound should sound like. Yeah. Um, man, I was lucky. Uh, I grew up always loving things that challenged me. And so when I decided to embark on being an artist, I promised myself at the end of this song, I want to make music that my 12-year-old self will be proud of because mm. my 12-year-old self was rocking with some really good artists. I felt like I, I loved music at its purest form there. And it was it was things from indie rock alternative. I, had, I was a fan of Chris Cunningham when it comes to directors and I was really pushing my envelope as a as a as a young kid on what I loved. So I wanted to be that kind of artist. Whether I was in Danny Keen or Dirty Money, we were always pushing for something different. Like we were a part of reality TV when it wasn't really big, yeah. right? We were our, like an interracial girl group at a time where the only other one was like Spice Girls, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that was innovative in itself. We were pushing the envelope with that. Then we were signed to a hip hop label Mm -hmm. with a predominantly white international. There was only two black girls in the group out of the three. And then going into Dirty Money, I went even further into a group that was pushing an envelope ahead of its time. So I Mm -hmm. always wanted to be a part of something that was ahead. So all from jump, I was a part of that. And I was proud that at least that was my constant because that's where I was. Mm -hmm. So the last five years when I got away from it all, it really gave me wings to go at the pace that I wanted to go at. Mm. That's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. I was kind of at other people's time, but I wanted to evolve way quicker. Dirty Money moved fast. Mm-hmm. I liked Dirty Money. I would, I really loved how we were evolving. It was one album. Yeah. I think by album three, we would have probably been flying on clouds. You know what I mean? Like, it was mm-hmm. really great. But I felt like after that, it opened up a dimension for me that I was like, I can never go back to anything remotely you know, close to whatever I was doing in the past, I have yeah. to really move because I'm I'm intrigued. I'm I've opened up doors. So the last five years has really been about besting myself. Mm. How far can I take R and B? How much can I expand people's vision on what the idea of a black artist really is? Hundred percent. You know, especially a black woman. Mm. I didn't have boundaries. 
And I found out very quickly that people had them for me, you know. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Not even think. I know that's probably one of the biggest things in the music industry that's tough that because you're a black woman and you came from, I guess, working with Diddy, that you probably would just place, okay, this is how you should think this is what we want. Yeah, we want another Mary. We want another Keisha Cole. Mm. We want, in which... I love them. Yeah. I think we need them. But that was never the artist that I wanted to be. Like, I wanted to prove versatility, mm. right? What I loved about Grace Jones is that she she disrupted pop culture. She was nothing like they thought. Grace wasn't this extreme vocalist giving you runs and all of this. She was a presence, mm. a style. And nobody said, oh, because of her tone or that flat top or her features. I'm pretty sure a lot of people said it, but she just refused to let that be the dynamic. But we accepted that difference, right? And I wanted to be a part of something in that era where I could be versatile. And I thought people would appreciate a black girl coming in saying, okay, I can literally do a gospel album, of R&B album, an electronic album, a pop, dance, techno, mm -hmm. and make it make sense. And instead, people were taken aback by it instead of saying, yes, we have a black girl coming infiltrating the industry. That wasn't the, I thought, I was going at it like infiltration, mm -hmm. this is revolutionary, let's go. But I didn't realize people weren't really ready for that. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize that the truth is, since Grace, we haven't had another chocolatey girl disrupt pop in a way where she doesn't have to have straight bone, straight hair, mainstream looks, you know what I mean, to be able to like, she has to be polished. Grace to me was polished, but that shit was edgy. Edgy as fuck. It was a little uncomfortable, it, it was a little messy and it was a little rough. And I love that about her. It's crazy that the black girl has to be so impeccably polished mm. for us to receive the package. I never, I'm never gonna be that bitch. Mm -hmm. Like I'm never, I'm, I, but I love that about me. And I feel like in music we have artists like that. And when Caucasian, Caucasian women from Lord to Halsey to, you know, BB Rex, we have different sizes. We have all these beautiful things, and we're just now at this level starting to at least pay attention. Hundred percent. Just now mm -hmm. to like. Black girls of different vibes, and it's a long time coming. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, over the last year and some change, we're seeing multiple black women in different areas and genres yeah. become prominent and get the attention that they, they deserve. They deserve it, yeah. 100%. I'm always like, the music industry always looks for, I guess, uh, the next big thing or evolution, yet it always rely on what's constant and what's, I guess, safe. Yeah. And I just, just really sometimes just puts me down. Just be like, man, like... You supposed to be looking for someone who pushes what you think is. But how would they know that? How would they know that? Assist. I have a degree in marketing, and what I've learned is people only know what they're being fed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's like people who watch Fox News and don't watch CNN or anything else. Mm -hmm. They believe only what they see. There are people out here who don't have access to certain things or don't want to have access to it. So they're only getting what they're fed on the radio, what they're getting fed on television. Mm -hmm. So they only know what's being repeated to them consistently. If you keep telling somebody this is the idea of what you're supposed to love, that's what they'll do. Artists like me, you got to find us. You got to be willing to have the passion to search. Most people don't have that in them. They want to stay safe. They like safety, and that's fine. Mm. But I, I just believe there is no excuse for that now in a time of tech. Yeah, 100%. There's so many ways to find great, you know what I mean? And I never really cared about if I would ever be this mainstream idea, what I cared about was I wanted to bring something new to the masses. Mm -hmm. 
And if it hit, it hit, you know, great. I saw it clear for me, but I never understood why other people didn't, especially our culture, Mm. because we hunger so much for change and we hunger so much for different diversity and representation, but we're still stagnant because we don't know how to then get behind something when it is different. Yeah. And I think we're just now getting to a place where we're saying, you know, we, we got to get behind artists that are out there doing something different. So I'm really happy with what's happening in the movement of music right now. Yeah. yeah I, and I hope it goes a bit faster. My my pace is faster than everybody else's. <laughs> but I, I am happy that beautiful brown girls and guys, gay, trans artists are being seen beyond just the element. I'll really be happy when I look at the Grammys and Black people are winning in electronic awards, tech, dance, because right now that ain't that ain't happening yet. We still only in R&B and hip hop. Yeah. And, and gospel. And I'm always thinking, curious to be like, because kind of recently we're just now becoming, I guess, internally aware that you can be different. Mm-hmm. So I think as when we were growing up, we were just spoon fed is a quote unquote, the black thing to do or, mm-hmm. yeah. or what's is what is how we should do it. And then that inner like interest kind of like push it down. Like, yeah. Oh, I do want to go to that indie band, but uh, yeah. I'm going to look weird or I'm going to be uncomfortable or such. I'm going to be by myself. Yeah. And I feel like now, because of technology and yeah. power to see everything, you're starting to see people. I only wanted to be an artist that made music for those people. Mm. I was that person. And people were like, you trying too hard. You too different. It just, the aesthetic doesn't match. And I get why they thought that because I started with Danity Kane. I started yeah. and I started with Puff. But the reality is no artist starts as the same thing. If we look at Rihanna's track record, when they had her trying to be Beyonce in the beginning, they yeah. had her looking, and she didn't want that. It wasn't until she set out, every artist starts trying to figure out what they are, and then mm. they evolve. All I ever wanted to do was have the opportunity to evolve. You can't do that when you have a label, especially a major machine behind you. You have to go at the pace of them. But I'm really happy that I've made music for artists who are, like I said, the new breed artists. That's what this whole album is. That's what this whole thing is about is... I just want to make an album and music for people that aren't as polished, mm-hmm. right? Aren't going to be every day, you know, like we, we're indie. We don't have a machine, mm-hmm. right? We got to fight every day daily for the brand. I didn't ask to be that. That's just what it is. So I'm just giving people my truth. Yeah. And I hope that people start to see it, that this can be mainstream. You know, like now indie is cool, yeah. right? But the truth is this shit is a hustle. Yeah. It's cute. People can want to put the title on indie, but true indie artists know this is not a just a trend, right? This shit is hard. It's life or death. Yeah, it's life or death for us, right? So for me, I just want to create a space for creatives to come and be who they are and not have to look around and say, damn, I don't look like that. So that's a no for me. Mm. Like, you know, I, I want all of us. I, I hate when we decide, we decide as a culture, we got one black girl in the mix. So let's just all root for that one black girl. Like mm. we finally got one. No, let's just, let's flood this shit. Mm. Like let it be a whole lot of people of color, Asian, black, Indian, like let's go the fuck off and have, have a lot of people of color aggressively in this, in this music game. I hate when we do that. We have one girl get through and we're like, that's our height. That's, that's our a, hope. That's, yeah. Our great hope. Like it has to be one thing. No, not everybody's going to be Beyonce or, Beyonce or Rihanna. Yeah. But there are other motherfuckers out there that is just this bomb that needs to be present too. Mm. And I want us to open up for those those people who are there, like the Lizzo's and Cool's Cool as fuck, yes. the Kalilas, the Janelle's, like Solange. And then, like, they're all beautiful. We all need that vibe. Yeah. When did you truly think you were making, I guess, your music? Like music that's like, you felt, you felt like, oh, this is wholeheartedly my creation that I... The Welcome to the Dollhouse album. Mm. 
with Danny King when we did Lights Out. And we did the interludes. That was my first time. Like, I was playing with layering and stacking. If you listen to Lights Out, like, I had, like, counter melodies for days going on on that one. Mm. Uh, that's when I knew, like, okay, this is a sound, right? And then um, when we did Dirty Money, the outtakes, all the records Puff did not release, the mm. 130 billion of them that he just has in the vault somewhere. Mm. That's when I knew, like, okay, there's a style. There's something here that I really want to em- embrace. But it really wasn't until the Golden Heart an armor on stage that I was like, man, this this is either gonna go really good or this is gonna go really over, you know, everyone's head. But it felt so good mm-hmm. to get out this sound. And what I've created and I'm really happy is like you said, the dream was to create something where no one could say she's the next something. Cause at first they wanted to do it, the tone. Oh, she's the next Brandy. Oh, she's no one can be the next none of them because they all legends, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to be the next me. And that was what I was set out on doing is creating not as like a, a record. I wanted to create a sound. My favorite artists were Prince, mm-hmm. Queen, like Bjork. They didn't create songs. They created eras. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sonically. And I hope that at the end of this journey, people are like, yeah, Dawn wasn't an artist. That was a sound. Like that was a whole new lane of an era. Mm-hmm. That's the dream. That was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So that when people heard it, they automatically was like, that's a Dawn record. Yeah. I don't want to be the next anybody. I want to be the next me. I feel like that has to be when you're making that trend. We making that that record, and you're making these making your music that you you enjoy. You wholeheartedly feel like this is true mm-hmm. and honest of what I believe is what my music is at that time. How did you get over that fear? How did you get over that? Like I'm not sure if people are gonna accept this or. I didn't have nothing to lose. I was sleeping on a couch. I came off a tour. With Puff, there was a second time he had decided to stop a group that I had no control of. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, he fired the first group. He, I was on my own. I had no, nothing left from what I had finished. I worked so fucking hard, and I had nothing. Mm. So I was ra- I'd rather take the risk than not at all. I, I had to be for something, you know? Because people think they know my story. Everybody has this idea of what I am, you know, from the from what I've gone through with these groups and shit. But the truth is... I only ever wanted the music, mm-hmm. you know, and I fought for that hard. Like, I really did. And I got put in really fucked up situations where I couldn't really control how to move. And when you're young and you're in something and you sign to people, you don't really know how to, like, you do the best you can. Mm-hmm. So I, I got, I left that so, like, emotionally and physically scarred. Being a, I was on my own for 10 years in Bad Boy. Like, I, was, I didn't have a manager. I didn't have... So when I left my group the first time, I was literally like by myself. We Katrina had just happened. Like, I didn't have nothing. I was just trying to figure it out. I left my my career back into Puff's hands again. And then he decided he just stopped that too. So then it was kind of like, I don't really have a fucking choice. You know, I have to decide if this is going to be, I'm going to do this music thing or not. So I just put all of it in the music and said, this is either going to be great. Oh, it's going to fail, but at least it's, it's all mine. Mm, it's yeah. mine. No one can stop this one. Yeah. And I wanted to prove that to myself, that all of that wasn't for nothing, because I had endured people calling me tranny, people calling me uh, the, the person that broke up the groups, people call, I was, it was so wild, and I, I really just wanted it all to be focused on the music, and I just couldn't get there, so this was important, it was important for me. Yeah. So that fear was bullshit, you mm. know, compared to the other things that I felt that I was fighting for. So I had to swallow that shit and just release it, because it was something I really needed to do, and then it turned out to be one of the best decisions I could have ever made. What are some of the misconceptions people have of your story? I think a lot of it has to do with 
I'm quiet, right? So when the DK shit happened, I didn't really come out saying what the fuck happened. I just kind of let people have that because I didn't really know how to respond to that. But I was signed and I, I had heard stories of being stuck on like puff shelf and people. I didn't really have the ability to leave. And I didn't really explain that to people. I just kind of like let people have their own journey because mm-hmm. nobody gave me the like, bitch, you should maybe say what the fuck is going on so that people, I, I just kind of kept it in and was like, okay, I got to hustle. So I took the train for like seven, eight months from Baltimore because at the time, that's where I was living after Katrina mm-hmm. and just went to Bad Boy and just stayed in an office ass room and just wrote. Mm-hmm. I had no job. He had broke the group up. I was just trying to figure it out. I was still stuck on the label. And then Dirty Money happened and... You know, like we did that and then that stopped. And then we tried to do DK again. And it's one of these things where like when you put bad blood and bad taste in people's mouths already from the jump, it's poison. Like you can't tell people you're different. I just never really came out in public and made my life public. And I let people decide what I was. And so people have a misconception that I'm whatever because I've never really cared to answer it. Like I just wanted, I thought the music would speak for itself. But in a culture like this, you got to speak up. And I never really did. So I never really gave people an opportunity to see who I really was beyond the music. I never thought I had to, right? I was always private like that. So I think people just have their own ideas because I never really chose to speak on things that were negative. And then when I did, it just didn't come out the way everybody wanted it to. I'm really just awkward, bro. Like, like (laughs) I'm not social, you know, like, but I do love the stage is where I feel the most yeah. me. And so I thought the art would be able to tell it. So yeah, people have mad misconceptions, but for me, if they could just listen to the music, the story is in that shit for itself. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was a, a rough journey for me because all I ever wanted was to fucking just make great ass music. Yeah. Yeah. Just as just a sidebar, but always curious about like, what was it? What's it like being a, on a reality TV show? Like, what is that shit like? Yo, you know, What's crazy, people got to understand, like, I came from New Orleans mm-hmm. in a time where there were no, the biggest pop star we had was from Kentwood, Louisiana, and that was Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. We had hip hop. We had cash money and shit like that. We had, there was nobody to give me a, a fucking blueprint of what that was going to be like. Mm-hmm. And so it was crazy. It was, it's basically, you are a mouse. You're a mouse in a maze. Mm-hmm. And someone is puppeteering your life. And based off ratings, which is fun and games to them, right? Because they're maneuvering responses. It's organic. This wasn't scripted shit at the time, right? Mm. So you had puppeteers, you know, making, like, telling you that, like, waking you up at four in the morning and saying, yes, bitch, run 12 miles. And then after that, we're going to do cuts. Y'all going to dance. And then we're going to pick the people who's in the, that's the, like, level of, and that was daily. Jesus. So they just woke up and whatever was really good for ratings is what they did. And the best thing about that is it's women, right? So what men do best is they pit women against each mm. other, make them feel like they shitty and then see how it, it's an experiment. Mm. You know, it's pretty brilliant if you're on the outside, but in the inside, it's really fucked up. Yeah. That was our lives. Yeah. Um, so New Breed's new album came yes. out. Tell me the meaning behind New Breed's. Yeah. And let's start from there. Yeah, so New Breed just came out. Uh, the album is speaking to just what we spoke on, artists that feel like they refuse to be boxed in for people who feel like they don't have a voice in their industries because of whatever the case may be, sexual assault, uh, disrespect, uh, trans cult, whatever it may be for them. Uh, I wanted to create an album that spoke to artists that are tr- choosing a different path, making a different idea of what the artist is, showing a versatility, right? We're changing the idea of what the artist really is. Um, And 
what better way to do that than to speak of where I got it from in the first place, the root of it, and that's New Orleans. So the album is a love letter to New Orleans because it is the reason why I am a new breed. Because New Orleans itself is a new breed. Tell me, um, in your opinion, what's special about New Orleans? Man, it's just it's wealthy in culture, right? What we lack in finance, we make up in culture. And I grew up being able to see some of the most incredible Mardi Gras Carnival Indians, seeing my uncle sew some of the most incredible garbs and crowns, seeing men put beauty into their art and then wearing it in the middle of the street, whether it be you know an outfit or a, an instrument, my father playing the keys, the trumpet, seeing a kid tab dance, the level of the culture, there's just a pride within the community of the arts, right? It's just present in everything that I've ever known growing up, and I wanted to to showcase that because we are more than just bounce music. We're more than just rap, mm-hmm. right? We're more than just jazz, and we're more than just Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. you know, like drinking and, and food. Like, there's so much more happening, and I thought it'd be really cool to tell my take on what the Mardi Gras Indian, really, which is called the Carnival Indian, what the Indian itself was for us and what it was for me and weave that into why my music and sounds the way it does. This is another random question, but uh, I had a, a couple of friends who go into Mardi Gras and um, some of them from New Orleans, they were like, man, um, it's starting to become like a show mm-hmm. because of the people outside coming in. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just being, it's just a chance to drink. I think they just, it's a different Mardi Gras, right? There are people who come into a, a you know, they, when they visit a place and they see the touristy version of yeah. the city. And then there's the locals who do something different. Mm. For me, parades was never the things we went to see, right? You know, we went, we went to see St. Joseph's Day, yeah. which was the Mardi Gras Indians happening. Like you go to someone's house and you, it's a time for the community to be together. And then you, you deal with the Zulu parade and you see the African and the di- you know, diaspora of that and what that is. Um, everybody's different, right? The locals do one thing and then yeah. the people who come to the tourism. Tour, I wanted to show people, did a piece with Vogue. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to show them what our Mardi Gras looks like, which is something different because it's very black, mm-hmm. right? It's, and it's, it's an opportunity for people to see the relationship between the Africans and the Native Americans and what that created what kind of heritage that created for us as a culture. Mm. So you get to see black Indians, black men and women dressed in some of the most incredible garbs that they sew themselves all year just to wear it three three to four times mm-hmm. out the year, right? You see some of the most incredible themes, colors. If you're someone like me who who appreciates that kind of art, it's stunning. And you don't see it anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That's to me what I think of when I think of carnival. Same, because uh, I contend that New Orleans is like, they're such an artistic place mm-hmm. or a hotbed of just really great talent. But it does cannibalize itself sometimes because it's, there's, I guess it's like we were talking about previously, there's just not enough funding to cultivate that talent. Yeah, man. I, I think because we're too black, the city is just really richly black. And so nobody wants to take the time to like really invest in the city the way they want until they take over the city. But this is what I say. Fuck that excuse. Mm. We have to do it for ourselves. And if we are black and and we are that wealthy in culture, we need to come back home and create businesses ourselves and make this the hub, like bring tech to the to the city and do it ourselves. Mm. I don't use that excuse anymore. That's why I think it's beautiful that a lot of the locals are going back mm. and putting money into the city because I think it, it, it doesn't matter. We don't need other people to make the city great. We've already been great. Mm. 
Um, I think we can put finances and put more things into it. So it's not just about the tourist, you know, and hospitality bit. It's also about bringing jobs from tech education. Man, I'd love to get coding in there for for, for people in the city for us to evolve because a place like this is so rich. We should be proud to come from here. People should want to stay here instead of leaving to then yeah. come back. Right? We have to break. We have to build the education system and build the job circuit so that it's not just entertainment, but it's a place where people want to come to live because they want to stay. Yeah. Not just visit. You know. And I'm proud of that. This album speaks to that, right? I'm just trying to get people to see a different perspective of the city. And I was very proud that the Washita Nation, which is the tribe that my my uncle knew very well. Uh, Chief Montana at let me come inside and really like be a part of the tribe and do all the traditions. And I got their permission to put them on the album nice. and just to speak to people because I want black people to see themselves royally. Yes. Right. To see themselves in a different life because nobody taught us this history. Right. People say because it's not in the books, it's not on record, then it isn't. It didn't happen. Mm. Right. That's what they do. Right. If they don't make it a not, if it's not in a book saying this is a thing then it ain't a thing. For us, that's not true. We don't give a shit what's not in the books. For us, we know what our culture is and what it was for us. So New Orleans chooses to embrace that. And so I wanted black people to see themselves beautiful like this, black men to see themselves beautiful like this so they could see something different. And the idea that uh, a woman can be a king, pushing that element of what a new breed is too, Mm. like showing a chief, giving the opportunity for a woman to wear a chief's head Mm. headdress. That's powerful. Yeah, that's one of the things that stood out to me was the album artwork. It yeah. was like, oh, wow, this is like gorgeous. This Thank is like you. very powerful. Yeah. You mentioned the Grammys, and I want to talk to you about the Grammys specifically, the R&B section. I just think not only should it be bigger and more, like, I guess, expansive, mm-hmm. there should be, this should just, I feel like they do a good job sometimes, but it just, there should be more work to be done just because. There's a lot of R&B artists who are making different type of R&B that should mm-hmm. be acknowledged. And mm-hmm. should, I just feel like just putting traditional, contemporary, mm-hmm. and just throwing people in there, either or, is, is a, it's a lack of justice of where the progression of R&B has gone. Man, it starts high up. Yeah. We need more women and more people of color in the higher positions at the Grammys. And we also need more independent people, more indie developers at that level, at the higher level, to be able to say people, look, let's not just look at the billboards mm. and the numbers, but let's look at really fucking incredible works. Mm. This is all political, man. Like, we can't take it personal. The reality is yeah. we love the Grammy. We love all of that. But the, the truth is it's, it's a popularity contest. It's high school. It's a glorified high school. Mm. All these award shows. It's who you know, and somebody will slip in that you like, maybe. But for the most part, if you're on the right label with the right team and they're on the membership mm-hmm. voting... Right. Because you, you can have a label that has members on the board mm. of the Grammys and they're going to vote for those albums that are from that label. Mm. That's a that's what's going to get nominated. That's just the truth. There may be a few that will slip through the cracks. But for the most part, until we get younger, more women, more people of color, more diversity within the system of the Grammys at the board level. It's going to be like that, man. Like yeah. it's, it's just political. It's popularity. It's not about whose album was really great because I know like about six, 17 <laughs> incredible yeah. albums that, you know, may have not sold or even been on billboard that were one of the most probably incredible albums ever made. Yeah. That's why I've always pushed. We need to have our own award show. I pitched this to uh, Issa Rae a while back and I was like, look, let's just get together and create our own award show for people that don't 
you know, have mainstream labels and let's just create it for ourselves, man. I would love to get together with a group of indie artists and we just do our own fucking award show. That would be fire. Like, and we just, we, we congratulate people who are really out here doing things. Real talk, because we're never going to get those platforms. I've never done a television performance beyond Jimmy Fallon and that was for a feature. Mm. Did with the Dirty Projectors. Yeah. I've never been performed on a award show on my own. I've never had those platforms because I don't have a major label. And I feel like those platforms now are, are being, I don't know, taken away or just. No, it's just you, it's, have to have a, you have to have a team of people to be able to move you. I remember when MTV was great. They used to have. Yeah, like unplugged and un, in, in the, 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 the little, yeah, you see, cool, different. You yeah, see they artists, don't have that. They don't have that shit no, no more. No, So there's a lot of artists like me. Like I've not even done, I haven't even done Essence Fest mm. or Jazz Fest or Buku Fest and I'm from New Orleans. Yeah. And then do you think that, but then is that a problem with consumer or that problem with the system? No, I don't, I think it's a problem. Or don't, both. I, I think it's just, if you don't have a team, it's, it's a lot to do with me too. Like if you don't have a team of people, it's a system. Mm. You gotta go through the, the compartments to get to those places. That's why I, I want, I've been able to see both sides of it. I'm very aware of both. I get what the system is. Mm. And I think we need that system because there are really incredible artists who also have a machine. If you dope and you have a machine and fuck, you're supposed to be there. Go go off and... But there are artists out here who don't have access. And I think it's interesting that we don't have a platform for them to have some type of access. Well, all this tech, we don't have spaces. We have Facebook Live. We have a few. But even those things are run by massive people. Even mainstream people have shows on Facebook Live. So even from the indie spectrum, the biggest people are taking the indie spectrum as well, mm-hmm. right? So there, it, it leaves a little room for, you know, the indie artist to really infiltrate and get something really incredible for them to shine. And so my whole platform has been trying to find those pockets to expose really great artists. That's why I did my deal with Adult Swim, where I allow other animators to come in and they can have their work with. I'm trying to facilitate these really cool, the best way I know how with the finances that I have, I'm trying to create a space for us to have something where we can shine. Yeah. Yeah. You are pretty awesome. No, thank you. No, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Outside of music, what are the things that interest you with some of the things? That's another, I love to animate. Mm. I love to draw. I love to, I love traveling. Um, I went to Haiti recently and I love seeing music, all its forms and art in all its forms around the world. So everywhere I go, try to see what's lacking and visually what's, what's happening and try to see how to apply that in life and figure out how to shift and move and take that and, and learn. So those two things for me is really, like I, I always say, man, I'd be a travel blogger in a second, man. I would see the world and but I always love to see what the woman is in different places of mm. where I travel, whether it be Africa, Iceland, just the, and the idea of what we are in the eyes of other countries. And it's always interesting to me. It, it moves me. Yeah. Keeps me alive because it, it shows me we still got work to do as people. It shows humanity in different ways. And I really enjoy seeing that aspect of things. That is pretty awesome. And then I also love to cook. I'm vegan. Nice. I've been vegan for six years and I'm still Creole, still a Louisiana girl. So I've also gotten pretty good at that so the dream could be to open up a restaurant in new orleans that'd be fire yeah 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 what's the most impactful i guess experience you out of country that happened to you i went to haiti um with uh, a group of women who were trying to push tech and education for women out there and it was one of the most incredible experiences i ever had in my life Um, my father is his family's from haiti Mm -hmm. um 
And what I saw was there are these beautiful black, beautiful girls wanting to learn and become present and be a part of the, the conversation in colleges and, and being present but have no opportunity and no way to get there. And the idea of having an education is so secondary, mm. the tertiary even, that they have no way to even begin to have computers or any type of systems within their, their classrooms. But you can see the hunger of wanting to be more. And it was I was just taken aback that I could sit and see such beauty, beauty around me and such willingness to learn and understand so that they can take it and move out. They said that about 60 to 70 percent of the girls there will wind up selling Colgate toothpaste and stuff like that out of their houses. That's that's going to be the extent of their job. They they won't go to school. They'll wow. that'll be they'll sell toilet tissue out of their houses. That'll be what they do. They'll be the candy lady on the store on the corner. And you have these girls in these schools who are trying to be something else. And, you know, parents don't want to send that because they don't have the money to do it and they don't feel like it's going to amount to anything. Mm -hmm. So I was honored to be able to sit there and see we take our shit for granted, man. I hope we continue to bring education and tech to the people of color to show them the possibilities because we're moving into an age that if we don't get on board, we're going to be left behind quite hard, like quite bad. Yeah. Um, so it was really beautiful and it moved me in a way to see these beautiful girls striving for excellence with nothing. Um, and I, I want to go back just to see how they evolve and, and, and if they get into colleges and what it means for them to even try to apply for a college. I wanted them to grow and it made me think of the parallels of New Orleans and how, how that was too and just how we're always looked as black women. We just, man, we got to fight twice as hard. Yeah. It's just crazy. But yeah. I look, I, 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 it, it moved me. Yeah. It moved me and I was very honored to be able to be in that classroom and see those women. Yeah. Um, I'm always someone who's like, I wish I can draw or yeah. be good at creative like that. I guess, I, how long have you been drawing? And My whole life. That's how Danity came, his name came to be. Nice. I was drew a character in high school and I was like, can we name it this? Nice. Um, but I always did it as a hobby. My parents never saw that as like, all right, bitch, you know, yeah. like, you know, we got parents that was <laughs> doctor, lawyer, like, no way. Um, but I always loved and then wanted the opportunity to, I loved adults when I'm growing up. I loved it. Same. And I was like, man, if I could work with them. And I stalked them nice. as a musician. And they were like, you know, I was like, look, I could do this too. And then they were like, no, you can't. And I was like, yes, I can. And then they gave me an opportunity and I took that shit and ran. So I've been developing that relationship for like four years with the hope to maybe get a series with them. I pray. Yeah, that man. Because they, they're starting to incorporate. Like um, Tyler, the creator, did something yeah. with the Squidbillies. And yeah. They just got Vince Tables. Vince Tables, I saw, show. yeah, which and is dope. So, but it's, you see who they are, though. It's still yeah, black men, right? Yeah. So I'm just trying to push the envelope to get them black black girls up on there because there's some really intelli intelligent and incredible like, female artists out there doing some great things. 100%. I'd love to run one of the departments and just hire them, but like black girls doing some incredible things. But I'm developing that relationship, and I've been doing it for a while, so I'm hella grateful. And that, that just speaks to the level of, again, my journey as an artist is just completely unconventional. Like there are not a lot of artists taking the lanes and the routes that I'm taking to within this business, right? But that's fine. That exists. Like you can do that. And I, I just want to encourage people and artists out there. Like you don't necessarily have to do the, the one plan, right? You get signed. You go beyond the the, the route. Then you get like a brand, and then you know you go ahead and you do it. A Nike commercial, and then you did it like mm -hmm. it's got to be our L'Oreal, and then yeah. you, that's a beautiful. That's for certain people that that get that main thing. But then there are other ways for you to create an incredible path for yourself to do some incredible things. And a lot of male artists have done it. 
right? Childish Gambino, like, done really cool things. Chanel is doing it, too, like, mm. as an actor and going, she's facilitating a different path for herself. Mm. We're out here doing it different. Um, and then, finally, the last thing we usually do is um, ask interviewee, what is the advice you would give to artists that ask you for advice? Don't follow my advice. Mm. Like, because everybody's shit is different. Fuck up. Mess up. Expect rejection. And then get up and figure it out again. Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. That's the truth. Mm. Everybody's trying to figure this shit out. Some people hit. Some people don't. You know, but every time you you maneuver, you learn something else. I tried to listen to a lot of different people's advice, and none of that shit applied to my stuff. I had a very interesting journey, and I'm still learning. Uh, the best thing I could do is say expect rejection and then get the fuck up and figure out how to bounce back. The dopest thing you could ever do is recover. Recovery is bigger than any success. Like, that's success. Recovery. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great. Y'all are the shit. <laughs> That's today's episode of Mike Line, and thanks for tuning in. You can listen to more episodes of Mike Line and keep up with everything Hypebeast Radio at hypebeast.com slash radio. Subscribe to Mike Line on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Overcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts on. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at ECM underscore LP and follow Hypebeast Music for more original content and music news. Let us know.